knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up to what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, and welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Angela Whitehorn. And this is, we're releasing this the week of Thanksgiving. Well, we should say American Thanksgiving. (laughs) Canada already had their Thanksgiving. Even though most of our listeners are in the United States, we do have people around the world, and we're not going to talk about American Thanksgiving um, or United States Thanksgiving, but... We thought it would be a good time to do a shorter episode, and what we're going to be talking about in a minute, we're going to talk about a couple of things first, but we're going to talk about guilt, grace, and gratitude, and I'm kind of surprised we hadn't talked about that before, and as Angela and I were deciding what to talk about, I listened to an old White Horse Inn from 1994 on guilt, grace, and gratitude that they recorded the week of Thanksgiving. And I didn't Ah. know that. Well, I knew that way back then, but I didn't know that when we did this. (laughs) Well, great minds. That's right. That's right. Um, Before we get into into our topic, I wanted to uh, give a shout out. There is a gal I've been talking to. to. Actually, her daughter-in-law is in our group named Jessie. And so her daughter-in-law had sent me, oh, look at my mother-in-law is making these Christmas ornaments and they're five solas Christmas ornaments and they're beautiful. They are amazing. And so I wanted to tell everyone about them. I'm going to actually order some as gifts and I'm going to link them in the episode notes. I know that she's only got a certain amount, but she's got quite a few. If you're looking for something like that, I think it'd be a a good uh, Christmas present for your Reformation friends. I guess that's what we'll call them, Reformation friends, or for your own tree. (laughs) Buy some for my own tree. I like like stuff like that. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. Uh, Where... Where have we heard that before? Do you know what that where that comes from, Angela? <laughs> I sure do. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism, you know, a lot of us love the Heidelberg Catechism because the language is so beautiful and comforting. Um, I think sometimes people don't know that the catechism itself is organized into three sections, guilt, grace, 
and gratitude. And that is structured after Paul's epistle to the Romans. Yeah, that's, that's kind of neat. When I was doing my research years ago, we were part of an attempted URC church plant and went through a two-year study of the Heidelberg Catechism. And uh, the teacher of it was a friend of ours who graduated from Westminster Seminary in Escondido. And the, I didn't know so many of these different things. So if the Heidelberg's new to you, so guilt, grace, and gratitude is something that you're going to hear when we talk about the Heidelberg Catechism because the way that it's split up. But like Angela said, that's um, after Romans. And another thing you'll hear when we're talking about the Heidelberg Catechism is somebody named Zacharias Ursinus. And he wrote a lot of the Heidelberg Catechism. And if you look him up and the Heidelberg Catechism, you'll find a lot of, of, a lot of helpful stuff on the Heidelberg Catechism. So, you know, I was, I was going to start with um, a little bit further down, but, or I guess in question two, but I think we should actually start with question one for those who haven't heard question one. Let me also say that the Heidelberg is split up into Lord's Days so that you have a certain amount of questions, a couple of questions for each Sunday of the year. So, on Lord's Day 1, which is kind of what we're going to go over today because we're going to do question 1 and 2, which is um, under Lord's Day 1. But question 1 says, What is thy only comfort in life and in death, that I with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. And I should say that the the parts, or I should say Lord's Day 1, questions 1 and 2, kind of come as an introduction to those three parts of guilt, grace, and gratitude. So, Angela, what is question two, and that's what we're really going to be talking about. Yeah, question two of the Heidelberg Catechism is, how many things are necessary for you to know that in this comfort you may live and die happily? And the answer is three things. The first, how great my sin and misery is. The second, how I am redeemed from all my sins and misery. The third, how I am to be thankful to God for such redemption. That right there is the guilt, grace, and gratitude that we're talking about. The, the How great my sin and misery is, that is the guilt. Um, how I'm redeemed from all my sins and misery, that is the grace. And how I'm to be thankful to God for such redemption, that is the gratitude. And so in questions one and two, we see what is our only comfort in life and in death, and then how do we know these things and, we, and what those things are. And that's what we're going to talk about because these things are so important. I know very helpful for me when we've talked about law and gospel. This mm. is really the same um, sorts of things. They're similar categories. Right, right. Uh, so uh, talking about that guilt, um, that is, of course, the the law part of the catechism. And it it. Just like it says in question number two in the answer, it tells us about our sin and our misery, the state that we're in. And it helps us know that our feelings of guilt 
are meant to lead us to recognize our objective problem of guilt. Um, you know, we're guilty before the law. We can't keep the law. And it helps us uncover that and recognize that that's the state that we're in. Yeah. And one thing, on, I'm going to link the White Horse in because they did a really good job talking about guilt. And one of the things that they talked about was a couple different kinds of guilt. The guilt that we have before God, because we are sinners before a holy God. And we need to feel that guilt. But there's also um, guilt before people. And sometimes that is right guilt to feel. And sometimes that is wrong guilt. But sometimes in legalistic circles, they will put guilt on you for things that really aren't the right kind of guilt. Like you're not living up to these expectations. And so they'll have the purpose of the guilt is to make you obey. Instead of when we feel that guilt, we should turn to Christ. And a lot of times, and I've seen this in more legalistic churches, they they put guilt on you, but it's to make you behave better, but it's absent the gospel. Right. And that's why this structure of guilt, grace, and gratitude is so helpful. Um, you know, the order matters and you need all three of these elements. Right. Sometimes we had talked about last week where there's somebody where I saw a video going around and this is a liberal female pastor and she and somebody said, oh, she just understands grace. Well, she says that homosexuality isn't sin, pornography isn't sin, blah, 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 blah. And I said, she doesn't understand grace because she doesn't understand law. We don't have grace without understanding the law. There is no need for grace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. There's no grace before we have transgression, you know. So, um, and what what allows us to know that we've had transgression? Well, that's the law. So the law. things work together. Right, exactly. And so w- what the law does is it shows us our sin, but then it drives us to Christ. And the, the Word of God tells us, we talked about the story of redemption throughout all of Scripture, but how we are redeemed, and that falls under the grace category, how we are redeemed, the, the work that Christ has done for us, that here we are, we're guilty, we have a problem, and, and what's, the, what's the solution? Michael Horton told a story, I think it was about R.C. Sproul, and somebody, he said that somebody came up to him and said, are you saved? And R.C. Sproul said, saved from what? And, and the guy couldn't answer. But this is very important. And I, I think that would unfortunately happen in some churches. I think some people would be like, saved from, I don't know, I'm just saved. And we need to understand what we are saved from. We are saved from the wrath of God because of what Christ has done for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really helpful language um, if we compare it to like describing Christianity as as only a personal relationship with Christ. So you either have a relationship with him or you don't. That doesn't help us think about what am I saved from. So I do think that's some pretty important language there. I think the other thing too, when we're talking about both guilt and grace is even though we're in Christ, and we're going to talk about where good works fit into that in a second, even though we're in Christ, we still continue to struggle with sin. And if you think, if you know anything about Martin Luther and before he understood the gospel, and he would just condemn himself so greatly because he understood how, what a great sinner he was. But he didn't understand redemption at that point. And I think it's sometimes even still easy to do that where 
where you had like John Wesley saying that our motivation for good works is fear of punishment and hope of reward. And I think that it's easy to even fall into that sometimes, even if we have a correct understanding intellectually of the gospel of redemption to think, well, I need to obey so that God's okay with me, you know, Mm -hmm. and we put guilt on ourselves instead of, even though we do still struggle with sin and need to repent, we put a, we put a wrong emphasis of guilt on ourselves when we're not recognizing the work of Christ, we're not recognizing the grace and the place that it has. And I think that's why it's important to um, think about where we look for our assurance. And um, that is primarily looking to Christ. Um, It's not primarily looking to the quality of our faith, the um, good works that we do, um, and, and we are going to talk about gratitude, and we are prepared and saved for good works. But um, the foundation of our assurance, the perfecter of our faith, is Christ. And so that is where we look to know that we are in Him. We look to the objective, finished work on the cross that He has done, and not to our flawed um, works that we do. All right. We're going to continue... To, to struggle as long as we're here on earth. I know R. Scott Clark, he has an, a blog post on assurance, and he says that Christ alone is the foundation of our assurance, that our good works may strengthen our assurance, but mm-hmm. Christ alone is the foundation of our assurance. That's a great way to put it, too. I like the saying that it strengthens our assurance because, you know, we, are, we don't believe that good works can be completely absent. Um, But the foundation, of course, is Christ because he's the one whose works are perfect, who completely fulfilled the law on our behalf. And I think one thing that happens too is we've talked before and we've done an episode on sanctification is that we are being sanctified. That, That is a necessary consequence. There is no way around it. We are being sanctified, which means we are growing in good works. But I think sometimes it's hard for us to see that because we're also drawing closer to Christ, which makes us see our sin more. And we're like, I don't know if I'm being that sanctified after all. Mm -hmm. And it can be discouraging. And I think at that point, it's so important to look back to Christ. So often, I think we want to look inward to ourselves for assurance. Right. One of the verses that I think of when we're talking about the grace too, and even understanding my sinfulness and all that is, is Romans 5, 8, that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we were sanctified enough and then like look through right. time and be like, well, she's going to get pretty sanctified. So I, I'll go ahead and choose her over there. <laughs> you know, it wasn't contingent upon anything we do and anything good that is in us, even our good works are the fruit of what God is doing. Not because, not anything that I can look to myself and go, wow, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at being good. (laughs) It's not a thing. Right. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Although I think sometimes the temptation, because we're kind of self-centered and selfish people, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't done that sin for a while. 
must be because I'm just so sanctified over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when, even when we do repent, even when we, even if we have a sin that we struggle with, and and we are able to turn from that sin, that that is because of the Lord. It's not because of something that we do. So let's um, just talk about the gratitude aspect real quick. And it, gratitude, it's really all of these things connect to the law of God in how the law of God shows us our sin and and drives us to Christ because we realize we're hopeless without him. And then also now we are free to obey, not because it merits us anything, but because of what Christ has done for us. And we do that out of gratitude. We've talked before, if somebody did something really, really wonderful for me, just went above and beyond, I'm not going to be like, okay, and just, I'm going to want to do something for them. This is like the greatest example of that. Right. So living in gratitude because of what he has done for us, what that does is it connects us back to God's law. Um, God enables us to do good works because of our relationship to the law has changed because Christ has fulfilled it um, on our behalf. We are now free to keep the law. We have the ability to do good works. I love Psalm 119, um, starting in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And so it's very clear the psalmist here loves the law. And that is something that um, when we understand the grace that we've been given, we are now enabled to love the law and to want to um, obey. Yeah, and not because we have to um, obey all of it to to earn our salvation. Right. And not because of fear of punishment. Right. Right. And I think sometimes when we've grown up in other circles, I know I've struggled with this at different times. I have to remind myself of these things because I'm so tempted sometimes to think I have to obey. So God will love me enough and not turn his back on me or um, so he won't punish me. Mm-hmm. Or so I don't lose my salvation. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think that's a struggle. I've, I talk to gals all the time that really struggle with that. I have this quote from Zacharias or Sinus that I really love, and it kind of pulls everything together. The order and connection of these several parts of the catechism may be thus explained. We have learned from what has been said upon the two former general divisions of the catechism that we are redeemed from sin and death, that is, from all the evils of guilt and punishment by no merit of ours, but only by the mere grace of God for the sake of Christ's merits. From this, it follows that we ought to be thankful to God for this great benefit. That is what the 
obeying out of gratitude is all about. We should be grateful to God for what he has done for us. And I, I even think of Romans where it says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's so easy sometimes to constantly condemn ourselves, not saying that we shouldn't be repentant, but when it comes to our salvation, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have that hope. And because of that hope, we should desire obedience. What Angela was talking about from Psalm 119, we should love his law and seek to obey it. You know, as as we approach Thanksgiving and for those of us in the United States, it's a day, you know, it, it's supposed to be a day that we set apart for being thankful. I think sometimes we're more distracted by get the turkey done and, and Black Friday's tomorrow. So, you know, we got to get some sleep so we can get up and get all those deals. Or, you know, I'm so thankful that my own family has really great tr- traditions. When we sit down, we have this thing that we do for Thanksgiving dinner and before Thanksgiving dinner, we sit down and we go around the table and we all say what we're thankful for. We at least take that time. And when my children were young, they would each make a Thanksgiving book. And throughout Thanksgiving, they would go and have everybody sign it. And they still have some of those Thanksgiving books. And they had to write something that they were thankful for. Really, the whole Christian life should be one of gratitude and one of thankfulness. We even have things in scripture like count it all joy when you encounter various trials. And so maybe that's not the Thanksgiving in that same way, but in all of life, we should have a sense of gratitude. And I wanted to share something that I do. I actually have a little app called Gratitude Journal. And it's not like a Christian app or anything, but it's something that I can write in just write something every single day. And sometimes I've gone through very difficult times and being thankful is about the last thing on my mind because what's really permeating my mind is everything I'm not very thankful for. I'm not thankful um, that my body hurts or that I don't feel well or whatever the situation may be. But taking that time every single day to go in and find something that I'm thankful for and even praying. And I don't just write it down. Today, I'm thankful that I have heat or whatever I come up with, but I thank the Lord for it. I pray and I say, thank you, Lord, for this. And what it's really taught me is I have far more to be thankful for than I usually realize. Because if I take that all the times that I've been writing of the about the things that I'm thankful for, it's so much. And it's far more beyond what those difficult things, because of the Lord, because of his work in my life, I have so much to be thankful for. And every when I understand my sin and that I don't deserve anything good, I realize how much I've been blessed and how much I have to be thankful for. Amen. And Colleen, I just have to take this opportunity to tell you that what I am thankful for right now, um, what's coming into my mind is I'm so thankful for you and everything that you uh, do um, constantly every day to build um, other believers up in good doctrine and encouragement. And you have been such a blessing to me and so many other people I know. So um, I just wanted to take a minute to say that. Um, And I know that so many of our listeners agree. Well, thank you, Angela. That means so much to me. And I am so thankful for you also seeing God's sovereignty, how he brought you into Theology Gals 
and really such an amazing co-host. I, in fact, I often thank the Lord and have written my gratitude journal, how thankful I am for you. And you just encouraged me so much and so much knowledge about the Lord and, and his work. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, I know this is a short episode, but I wanted to make just a really quick announcement for Black Friday. We're going to have 25% off Theology Gals gear. And so we've never done this. It's a good discount. I actually keep the prices lower than what the place that we get them suggests a certain price. And I I make them even lower than that. And now we're going to do 25% off. So if you want one of those shirts, you want your husband to get you one for Christmas, (laughs) let him know. Or if you want him to wear one. Yeah, I'll probably put the, yeah, that actually, I I do know that there is a man that has one. (laughs) Last name isn't Sharp. (laughs) There is a man and I I don't want to embarrass him. So I won't, I won't say I won't say who he is, but he has one. But I will probably put the discount code on Wednesday since I've got family stuff going on. I'll put it out Wednesday. You can use it Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And and then also check out those five solas ornaments that I told you about. I did want to also say, I know I've been saying this forever, and there's a lot of reasons why it took this long, but We're getting everything ready for our new website. You can now find us at theologygals.com, but that's just a forward to the site that we've had. But everything's going to be, in the next couple weeks, completely done. I've been um, talking to the guy. But so we got everything's going to be out there. If you'd like to support us, um, our Patreon's out there too. And we've got some new things that will be coming up. We're going to be doing more blogging. And we've said this in our group, but we are taking submissions for the blog. So if you would like to contribute, um, contact us at theologygals at gmail.com. We appreciate all of you. We're thankful for our listeners. And thank you so much for joining us.